0: Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. We're now in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. It's a study in the book of Luke, and as we explore the life of Jesus, we also examine our own journeys shaped by him. Okay, guys, we have talked about stories all summer jesus's parables i'm trying to connect them to all the different ways we take in stories now some of my ideas are more grandiose than others last week i talked comic books I had no a lot of idea about comic books so i had to research this week is no different i really wanted to bring in video games but i fell short because despite how young and cool i look you know what I have played Pong on a black and white TV. That is my age. I'm just just giving you that hint. It's very, very strategic, very creative, guys. You, you turn a little knob, and a little paddle goes up and down, and you hit a tiny ball. It's really exciting. Aren't you excited? Don't you want to go home and play this game? Okay, so since I clearly am not an expert in video games, I wanted to check in with some people who are. There is quite a list among our Echo family. I have asked some questions of Mikey, Garrett, Jack, Shante, Jeremiah, Dylan, Amanda, and Gary, thank you for introducing me to a whole new world of video games, okay? I told them I would not throw them under the bus, so I'm just going to list for you some of their favorite games in no particular order, so you can't say who's who okay we have xenoblade chronicles we happy few king of fighters league of legends super smash brothers uncharted final fantasy series and zelda so maybe some of you know and relate and you know who i'm talking about out there and find your people afterward okay i told you guys there's all kinds of connections we make i think we need a video game small group like i'm I'm just saying You can, we can work this out later, right? Okay. So while I have never played, what I wanted to investigate was RPGs, role-playing games, because I wanted to understand how stories work in games. And so the first person who educated me was Garrett. Very thorough, very thorough, helpful expert. Talk to him for all your RPG needs. So he was explaining to me just how different your gaming experience can be because you get to make all these choices. And that's what I found fascinating. And so Shantae ended up showing me a a video clip on YouTube so I could watch someone play and I could grasp like, okay, here's the setup. Here's how you choose. And so you can go on all these different quests. And so your gaming experience playing is different from the person next to you based on all the choices you have. Uh, Mikey said he could super get into all the choices about customizing his character So he had to like stop himself at some point. He did say it was hard to kind of pick a bad character because he's like, the choices that I'm offered are so different than the ones I would actually make that he said he just finally lost interest and said it was kind of a struggle. So he says, I end up playing the good guys. Dylan said he liked the opportunity to dwell in a world for like longer than you would say watching a movie. Because I was trying to say like, what are stories like compared to the way I take in stories, books and movies? Shantae noted that, In a game, you are the game. You are the protagonist. You're living it out. And Gary noted also that it's very immersive. And so the story comes alive in a new way. So what I'm trying to do is dig in to stories like Jesus' parables and try to like, okay, can we take that mindset? Can we be immersed? Can we choose to sit in a perspective of a character in one of these parables in order to understand it on a deeper level? But like last week, we were in Luke 15, and that's the story that people know of as the prodigal son, and it's full of grace and love, and every character ends up receiving the opportunity for redemption, and that feels great to jump into, right? We can all jump into a story like that. But today, eh, maybe it feels a little bit more like Mikey's bad guy choices. Like, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with all the characters here. I'm so just going to warn you, it's that kind of a parable. We are... Wrapping up our journey of the redeemed. Guys, next week is it. We have been on this journey. It's been like the longest video game experience of your life. We've been immersed in Jesus' world for a year. And next week we're going to finish up. But today we're in our penultimate week. And it is Luke chapter 19. Now here's the deal. Do you ever like think you know a story until you like reread a story? So I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this parable. I I know what I'm going to talk about. I know exactly how I'm going to just set it all out. Wrap it up in a nice bow. And then I read it again, guys. Read it again. It's like rereading scripture. You're just like, hey, God, that's funny. I forgot about that and that. And then that means this. And so now I'm totally thrown off because what I remember reading is the parable of the talents from the book of Matthew. Anybody out there familiar with the parable of the talents? Well, Luke... There's like, just like different. Like Jesus changes up his story here. You know, if you tell a story over and over, you like throw in some different details this time and it were made up stories. So Jesus is like, I'm going to tell this one over here to these people. I'm going to use this detail. And that threw me off because I'm like, oh, I thought I knew what he was talking about, but apparently not. Even trickier is that in all my studies, I'm trying to read from like wiser people than me. And they all kind of, like, have different interpretations. I was like, this is, this is messing with me here. But that's the fun of Scripture, isn't it? Or is it? Is it fun for you? Do you like linear things with definitive answers? I mean, yeah, sometimes I do. But maybe that's why, unbeknownst to me, the video game metaphor really works here. Because every time you dig in, you see something different from a different angle. So let's look in Luke 19. We'll get into our quest and see what Jesus's parable means with the characters he gave us to play with. Verse 11, while people were listening to this, Jesus went on to tell a parable. So context, what they were listening to is that Jesus just had a conversation with Zacchaeus. We met him and read through his story a few weeks ago. So there they were getting close to Jerusalem and they thought, that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. So Jesus told him this story. There once was a nobleman, he said, who went into a country far away to be given royal authority and then return. He summoned 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 silver coins. Do business with these, he said, until I come back. His subjects, though, hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. Okay, that's our setting. feels really comfortable already, right? Really like in this guy. So right after this story happens, Jesus is actually going to enter into Jerusalem and in what we know as on Palm Sunday. So that's where the timeline is in his life. and so because he's getting close to Jerusalem, there's a lot of expectation going on in people's minds because if you remember, he has spent all his ministry saying... God's Messiah is coming, and he's revealing to them that, guess what? That's me. But what did they think about a Messiah? They were like, we want a Jewish king to come and rule and get rid of Rome and establish ourselves as a nation and be amazing. So they expected if Jesus was on this, he kept saying, I'm going to Jerusalem. That's my goal. And they're like, okay, here it comes. He's going to overthrow Rome. He's going to set up his own kingdom, and we've got this made. That's not what he was going to do. And so therefore, his story is created in order to give them a message. Now, the whole idea in this story of a guy wanting to go and get himself a royal title, that was a real thing in culture at this time. In fact, the people listening were probably like, oh, I remember when that dude tried to do that. Okay, so King Herod that we hear about in Jesus' life, in his adult lifetime he had an older brother and the older brother wanted that a title too like so he traveled to rome to say hey make me a king of one of your regions and there was a whole group of people from jesus's area of town from judea who followed and said we don't want this guy to become king so they could like follow after go on the trip too and say to the people in charge don't make him don't make him king and it actually worked for a time so here this idea that that's who this character is. And they're like, well, great. He's not the hero of this story, is he? He's an anti-hero. Now, before we continue on in this parable, let's also grasp ancient money. So we have here, it just says that he gave them one coin each. This coin was called a mina and it was worth about three months or a hundred days of wages. So this one coin was like what you'd work for for all that time. So it, it, was, it was a value. Especially if a king is giving it to slaves. So right there he's probably not treating them very well. Probably not paying them well. So this is a lot of money for them to hold on to. So you've seen the difference if you are familiar at all with Jesus' parables. That we've already got a negative person working on authority. We've already got some money that he's handing out, and he tells them, I want you to do business with this. I want, you to, I want you to make something out of this coin. So let's see what happens. He gives it to 10 different servants, and we hear about three of them. Verse 15. So it happened? When he received the kingship and came back again, he gave orders to summon these slaves who had received the money so he could find out how they got on with their business efforts. The first came forward and said, Master, your money has made 10 times its value. Well done you splendid servant he said you've been trustworthy with something small now you can take command of 10 cities. A second came and said master your money has made 5 times its value you too you can take charge of 5 cities. And another said master here's your money i kept it wrapped up in this handkerchief you see i was afraid of you because you were a hard man You profit where you made no investment. You harvest what you didn't sow. And the king replied, I'll condemn you out of your own mouth. You wicked scoundrel of a servant. You knew I was a hard man, profiting where I didn't invest, harvesting where I didn't sow. So why didn't you take my money and put it with the bankers? And then I would have interest when I got back. Take the money from him, he said to the bystanders, and give it to the man who's already got 10 times over. Master, they said, he's already got ten times that. Let me tell you, everyone who has will be given more. But if someone has nothing, even what he has will be taken from him. But as for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be king over them, bring them here and slaughter them in front of me. Okay, that's, that's a feel-good story. Have a nice day. So what do we do with this? I said there was different interpretations because some people are like, well, this must be, well, the king, you know, it's got to be God, but he's not acting like the way we've seen Jesus live out. So some people are like, well, it could be end of time scenario, and maybe there's some application there, but the people I read said, well, it could be parody because he's like not acting like God. So Jesus is telling a story that's like anti the way Jesus lived to teach a lesson. Another person's like, well, this is just how God is expecting Israel to do something with what they've been given. And they're all very good points. And maybe there's no one fully right or wrong way to read it. Maybe Jesus created a story so we could, like, play it several times and read different interpretations of it. Since I'm not going to come up with a one-on-one of who each character is, but let's just look. Let's just see what's here. We've got people— longing for a messiah a king but all they have is like earthly perspective right they're like well we want a better king than this king because rome's really mean we don't love them so let's just come up with our own king and that's what they're awaiting like their expectations are here and jesus was like i want to give you this you know and so they're expecting they're expecting that god's going to move in this way and they can't see what's right in front of them that jesus is unlike any earthly king that they've had and if they're expecting jesus to behave in a certain way they're not seeing the gift that he actually is perhaps jesus is trying to say when you keep looking for this kind of king this is how you keep being treated but even if you're waiting for the right leader to come along and you don't you're not living under a system that you like, right? We, we all understand horrible earthly systems and leaders. But even there, what did the servants do in this parable? Well, they were being treated badly. Translations call them slaves. That is not ideal. And yet some of them choose to do something with what they had. So what I was thinking about is that, look, The fact that two of the servants got to then be in charge of cities afterward, the king's still awful, but then they get a chance to have authority in a small piece of the larger kingdom. And then they can choose to lead in a better way. Perhaps they're going to choose to take those five cities or those ten cities and lead in a way that's better than the king who's ruling over them. Because they were like, Let's deal with the situation at hand. I have a harsh boss, but if I do something with this money, then I can change it. I can change the path. And then they get the opportunity to make a difference, to have an influence. Think about the spiritual leaders of the day. How would they view this parable? Well, they're the ones serving God, but mad at a king. But yet, we can kind of see them as that third servant hiding things in the handkerchief. Because every time Jesus talks to them, he's like, you're in charge of the spiritual lives and development of God's people. And yet, what have you been doing? What's in your hand? Well, it's a fortune. It's God's knowledge. It's wisdom of scripture. You've got all of this, and you're just kind of holding it here. You're supposed to be giving it out even to people beyond Israel. And yet they were like, but if we hold it, then we're important, and we're the people that you come to, and we've got the power. And here, they're the ones hiding it in the handkerchief. They're the ones being criticized. That this whole time, they've had the chance to invest in people, and they just held on to it. So let's, let's think about this. We've got negative scenarios, but we see some positive results. So what I'm digging in here today is to say, how are we investing in our faith? Because every time we read scripture, we're trying to be like, okay, what can we get out of it? If we're not exactly sure every detail that Jesus meant for his original audience to learn, what can we get from it? Well, on this journey, as we live with Jesus— Day in and day out, we can invest in our faith. So just like the servants that got to be in charge of 10 and 5 cities, we might feel like, well, I can't change every system or I can't fix the broken world. What can I do? Well, each of us are surrounded by people. And maybe it's just 5 and 10 in your lifetime. Maybe it's more. But you have the opportunity To dwell in your spot and bring Jesus' love to whoever's right around you. And that could be your city. That could be your community, your neighborhood, your family, your friend group. But making a difference in their lives moves outward, right? Because when we invest in the people here and then they go invest in people there and you see how it exponentially grows. So I just feel like our calling is to take what's at hand, and we all have different talents and abilities and resources, but how are we using those? We're not supposed to just sit on them and put them in a handkerchief. So let's look at three things that we can remember from this parable that helps us grasp how to invest in our faith. And I think they relate to video games too. Number one is we're accountable, but we get to be creative. So don't let that word accountability, it sounds scary, right? Or people use it negatively, like, you're accountable to do this. That always sounds harsh. Here, it's just kind of like, we're expected to, like, put in time, effort, and care. If we say we follow Jesus, then let's live that out. We're expected to participate in the world. We're expected to live something that we say we believe, right? So that's that accountability. But you get to be creative in the way you do it. I was asking some friends who play video games. Okay, so what do you like about the creative aspects of the game? And Amanda said she likes to play games that offer you a little freedom, but ultimately point you in one direction. I'm like, yeah, that's what we've got, right? That's what our faith tells us. We've we've got the general direction we're supposed to head, but we get to be creative on the way there. And so last week we said that connectivity, connecting other people to God and to one another, is a value of Echoes. And creativity is another value. It's right on the front page of our website. Ta-da. So creativity, God is creative. and You look at the way he made things with beauty or power or oddness. It's pretty cool. God created things. And then he says we're made in his image and we get the opportunity to make stuff. We spent a whole year at Echo one time just talking about creativity and making things together. That's a value of ours because you can also be creative in the way you solve problems. You can be creative in the way you build relationships. This value is reflecting God every time. And so, yes, you're accountable to do something with the gifts you've been given. But there's a big wide span of the ways you can do, use those gifts. Number two, if you invest in your faith, we can do so creatively. And number two, sometimes it involves risk. This one I don't love, makes me nervous. I don't even like to talk about the word risk. That just seems like hmm, not comfortable. I mean, I'll jump out of an airplane, but I don't like talking sometimes to certain people. Like social settings make me awkward. But having any faith at all is a risk. But you always have that feeling, right? Like as soon as I say something or do something, people are going to perceive me a certain way and that's hard that's a risk that's what we shy away from so i asked my video game friends do you like taking risks in games or do you take more risks than you would in everyday life and for most people it was a yes cuz it's a game right like amanda said you can safely try again i love that there's safety right uh gary noted it's okay to fail and learn from failure and that's what we're supposed to do in life but yet we're always afraid we're not going to get that chance, right? That if we take a risk in life, that we can't just start over at the right spot, just like a video game. But that's the thing is, is that when we choose to be creative and we participate in the world for Jesus, it's, it's naturally a risk. But the servant in the parable that didn't risk lost out. And sometimes we'll look back in our lives and you think, what if? What if I had said that when I should have stood up for someone? Or what if I had made that choice even when I was afraid? There's so many people in here that you're taking risks and maybe you think about it. Maybe you don't. But you're making choices in it for Jesus. And your own other people who actually believe in Jesus might still shake their head at you. Some of you are taking risks to to foster children, and bring children into your lives. Some of you take a risk because you are forgiving a parent that other people might say is not deserving of forgiveness. Some of you have just changed entire careers. And other people might shake their head and think, what are you doing? But when you take these risks, it matters. It matters, and good things come from it. When we're doing so in faith, I believe that we'll find the strength to keep going. And that leads us to number three. As we invest in our faith, we're not alone. We're not alone. Even, even the servants under a harsh king, there were ten of them. They could have worked together to invest the money. We don't know. It seems like it was a very individual choice. But that's not how we were made. We're made together. So I asked video game friends, do you like to play games together or alone? And there was a, there was a mix of answers. Sometimes you just want to like take a break in life, right? And that can happen in video games because as Jack said, it's a great escape. It's a recharge. You can reset your brain. You can deal with the stress. And sometimes you just want to break and do that alone. We all need a breather from people. But other times you might want to play a game with a friend. And Shantae and Mikey both describe times where they're like, I'm going to play, and my friend might be sitting next to me, not playing, but in, you know, sharing in the choices. And we're just together talking about this game. There's a communal aspect. But sometimes sometimes we hesitate in life to ask for help because that doesn't seem dependent, independent, like, like we're supposed to be the ones that know it all, and people will look down on us if we ask for help. But all of us in here no we can't we can't do everything on our own and part of being in a community that cares for one another is being willing to ask for help and receive help when people offer it and that might be harder than giving other people help because it's like you feel like you're being vulnerable to express that you're lacking I don't know have you ever also been asked for help in a way that you're like oh i didn't know they wanted to know that my knowledge in video games was helpful right like there's things that we do and experience in life and things that we know that we can share with other people so we can ask and we can give because that's how we invest together we're not alone so it's a rainy sunday I think your assignment is to go play a video game. Try one out. Don't ask me for advice. Ask the people I've listed. But as we have a lot of fun, you know, it's just a reminder that we're living in these, we're living life and it's, it feels hard a lot of times. And so it's nice to have a little fun together. But it's a good challenge. It's a good challenge to remember that Something is expected of us, and we get to create what's next in this story together. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for being creative and also allowing us to participate creatively with you in this story. Help us to just take what's in, at hand. You've given us things that we may not even realize are valuable talents, and skills, and knowledge, and resources, and just help us to look around and care for each other and for our world in a way that honors you and is creative and is active. Move through us this week, this month, the rest of this year, and glorify yourself through our participation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.